With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Oh my God, Becky, look at her butt. It is so big. She looks like one of those rap guys' girlfriends, but, you know, who understands those rap guys? They only talk to her because she looks like a total prostitute, okay? I mean, her butt is just so big. I can't believe it's just so round. It's like out there. I mean, gross. Look. She's just so... I like big butts and I cannot lie. You other brothers can't deny. Now when a girl walks in with an itty-bitty... Welcome into the Bird Inn. My name's Matt Workman. I'm joined, as always, by Joe Goodman. Joe, how are you doing today? I'm, I, I cannot complain at all, Matt. It's Butt Bowl Week. It is. And... That is always a fun time of year. So, like, I will say, like, we're probably, I would say, the most friendly Texas Tech Baylor podcast. Would you th- would you say that? Oh yeah, yeah. We are. Some may accuse us of of liking the enemy too much. We both have ties to Texas Tech. Yes, you're married to a Red Raider. I am. So we are friendly with our brethren over there. Um, so we have a little fun this week. We, you've had fun on Twitter. Yeah, they've been they've been fun, man. They have been they have been fun to uh, interact with. It's only Tuesday. I have gotten a number of DMs from Texas Tech fans saying, "Please don't use up all your material. You have to keep doing this all week." <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's only one kind of negative interaction I saw. I've had like that was the only one I engaged with just because I thought their account was funny. But yeah, I've had <clears throat> with hundreds of interactions um, over the last two days. Oh, there's only been about like four or five bad apples. It's it's been a uh, it's been a very solid rate of people having a really good time with it and just a handful of bozos. Yeah, I mean that one guy just reverted to like low hanging fruit, and it was just like. You can say that, and I don't think he Waco. was. Yeah, like I don't think it, he was not witty. <laughs> so, like, I don't know. It was just he, he he thought he was smarter than he was. But you know, yeah. at the end of the day, like he's like I said, he's just a, he's just a big old goober. Um, people could make jokes about Waco and and Baylor. They'd be they'd be fine because of course a lot of us are making jokes about Lubbock and Texas Tech because it's just a good. Yeah, fun rivalry fun stuff, man. Yeah. But that's next week or this week. Let's talk about last week. <clears throat> so Baylor finally did 
get off the losing skid and had a victory. What was your like overall takeaway of the Kansas game? You want to know the thing that I remember the most from this weekend? Yes. Oh, no, game? I don't. During this game, it was that it was that <laughs> the the tailgate was decimated. Oh yeah. So like we will not speak of that <laughs> ever on this podcast. I love how per- you took it personally, but it was like so those of you that were not in Waco this weekend, it was otherworldly windy. Like it was a really, really windy day in Waco. Um, and the tents that we have at the the tailgate that that Nick has that lets yeah. us use, um, he has like these sandbags that like hold the tents down, and it's normally fine. But when when we set up, well, I remember when I was still there, one of them got caught in the wind, and it was like a sail. Like it was yeah. so hard for us to bring it down. And then, but we're at the game, and you and all three of them got destroyed. Well, you you st- you, you took one for the team, stayed back at the tailgate, kind of watch all the stuff, and, and the yeah. wind destroyed it all. In retrospect, I should have just gone and been like, whatever happens, happens. It's a good thing you were there, though. Because like, then I felt like now that I felt like a responsibility for it. <laughs> Even though I, contrary to popular belief, I don't control the wind. <laughs> but I felt like it was my fault. So I felt bad, but also like a sense of responsibility. But we're, it's, uh, we're not going to talk about that anymore. Mm. Other than the wind catastrophe, what uh, anything from the game that really stood out to you? I mean, it was a win. Um, I was there as a fan for this one. I was uh, I sat sat next to Peter Pope and and our buddy Nick Hyde of Um, So it was a fun game being around them. Um, you know, I thought we I thought we did we looked very good. Um, our defense still had some issues that, that we have to work through. And and I, I don't know. I feel like we're just a little, like maybe a step too slow on defense is what I would say. Offensively. I thought we looked amazing. Yeah. Uh, Sands, a couple of just like goofy plays, a drop pass here, there. Um, Another one of those freak, like tip interception things. Right. Um, you know, Ben Sims dropped that one touchdown pass. Like, I think, I think the offense made this game feel closer than it needed to. Um but at the end of the day, like I thought overall, it was a great game. Um, I thought we played very well against West Virginia as well. So it's kind of like, I think the offense yeah. has it figured out. And that that's what I'm taking away from it. It's the defense that really needs to catch up. And I don't yeah. know if it's just that, I don't know if it's just that like the athletes just aren't quite there yet, or they're thinking a little bit too much. They just feel a step late to me. Um, but I think they made improvements like with the, the creepers and simulated pressures comparative to West Virginia or really any time during this year. So, I mean, because Kansas for, for everything they've done this year, they've had an, a very good offense and only scored under 30 one other time that was against Iowa state. So, I mean, every other team they played, they, they put up a lot of points. This is true. To be able to hold them to, but we didn't 30. stop them for the whole game. Like it was, we very much, we 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 did very well. I think in the first half, yeah. the second half, I think what, Kansas made some adjustments. I think I will. In also, I think what happened was we, you know, it was like what twenty eight to ten in the first half. It was twenty eight to three. Twenty three. So I think at one point it was like, okay, now we're just trying to get out of the game. We're not gonna, you know, we've kind of, we're gonna 
take the pedal off the gas and, and try to just get out of here, run the ball a lot, run the clock up. Yeah, that may have been the case. Um, but this still, uh, I still think we gave up a little bit more than we should have. I don't think the game the game was closer than it needed to be. We were like, I'll say this. I was very up close to the game. We were, we were clearly the better football team. Um, yeah. So it's just, that's kind of one of the next steps you take is like, once you start winning, then you start like controlling games and winning. And that's what we did last year, right? Where we would actually control a game and we didn't always blow teams out. But if you remember how you felt last year, by this time in the year last year, when we would watch games, we were like, okay, like we just felt comfortable, even if we were down or tied, because yeah. you just knew that we were we were in control and the other team wasn't going to hang for four quarters. Yeah, and last year I think we we could go up like like we could go up like thirty to fourteen, and you could depend on your defense. It's like we're just going to run this run this yeah. out. We're, we're, just we're comfortable. Out. We're just going to run this out. Because you knew like yeah. defense is going to make stops, even if they gave up a score like a field goal, they weren't going to come back and 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 win the game on us because of the level of defense that we played last year. Yeah. So, but overall, I thought, I mean, good takeaways from the game. It was it, you know, honestly, it was kind of a must-win game. I'm sure the team felt under pressure being three and three on the brink of being what like one and three in conference. Um, so, I think yeah. they stood up and this was a game where like Kansas and Baylor had to differentiate themselves from each other and Baylor yeah. controlled the game. So, yeah. and basically Baylor has to do this pretty much every single week. Right. You gave up, rest. you gave up yeah. your, you, you gave up any chance, like losing to Oklahoma state in conference is like, okay, you can accept that one, but you, you, you gave up your gimme already to West yeah. Virginia. Yeah. So basically, you know, you know, stayed like you just kind of tread water. Then this week, it's the same situation as you have it's like another must win. Right. It's, it's, it's win in advance, baby. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So anything elsewhere in the big 12 that stood out to you? Oh, just overall. In the overall, like, um, I mean, of course the TCU game, I mean, it was a great week in the big 12, like all, every all three other games stuck out 12, to me really. for, I mean, for different reasons. Like I'll give you like my, my quick rundown. I'm not going to lie. Like I watched game of Thrones or house of the dragon right before this. So I'm going to try to get to house of the dragon. Okay. Um, Anyway, my thoughts on the like my my quick thoughts on like the three other games that happened, the battle for first place, TCU, Kansas State. Another one where it was like, oh, TCU is going to lose this game. And then TCU goes out there, shuts out Kansas State in the second half, wins um, by 10. Now they're seven and oh, four and oh in the Big 12. And you kind of have to sit there and go like, OK, they're they're legit. OK, I think they're frauds. I don't think they're legit. Okay, I, I think they've been extreme. Listen, look at their last three games. I hope they're frauds, but listen, they play Kansas. Jalen Daniels goes out. The next game they play a banged up Spencer Sanders. This game they play lack of quarterback and at Kansas State, where they were only like third quarterback at, at one point in the game. I know, I know, but they've gotten real lucky in that regard the last three weeks. In all those games, they had the potential to lose. And two of them, they were down big early. They don't quit. They don't and quit. That's a, that's a big thing in this in, in this game. If you just don't quit and you play, like you just keep playing, you're gonna win a lot of football games. And yeah, but they're, they're winning a lot of fire. football games. Eventually, it's gonna bite them. Yeah, I, I they're, they're not gonna going go undefeated. down big. They're not. They're, gonna they're not going back. undefeated. Like yeah. I, I'm not. I'm not worried about them going undefeated. Um, 
but I, I'm just going to, I have to give credit where it's due. Like you're seven and oh, four and oh in the big 12, which is showing up as probably the second best conference in the country this, you know, right now by all the, like all the metrics. So I don't know, man, like I give you credit for being four and oh and seven and oh. Um, next up was Texas, Oklahoma state. Just, it was nice to see Texas being Texas again. That was, I mean, that was probably the most predictable thing that would happen. Yeah. They got, it, it happened again. Like yeah, it, every like, time, every time we're like, to, every Texas time we say Texas is back, yeah. every time we're like, well, they may turn a corner. Maybe it's different this year. It's like, nope. It's never different. Never. They, they have a couple of games because they, they can win a handful of games on talent alone. But at the end of the day, when they face up against a team that wants to beat them real bad, they're going to lose. It's wild. Like, if you have any friends or family member who are, like, Texas fans, like, I mean, I do have friends. And the next day I was like, you know what? I think you were just throwing games. I think he's getting paid. (laughs) Because they said he was just wildly off. But, now it was windy in Oklahoma State. But they're like, it's wild. He was overthrowing, like, everybody. I did not watch this game. I didn't watch the game either, so I was like, "Well, I don't." I guess I was watching. I was watching baseball, so I'll take your word for it. Um, I, didn't, I didn't watch the game. All right, no, no. This, I know. I, I take that back. I listened to the first half of this game on my drive back, and Texas was Texas was you know like pretty. They looked like they were going to be in control pretty early, and so we switched it over. And the Astros game started at uh, I want to say four. So by four o'clock, we were listening to the Astros game in the car on the way home. So I only listened to the first half of this game. I didn't see any of the next game, uh, which was West Virginia Tech. But yeah, Oklahoma State, yeah. Texas, Texas are back to being frauds. Uh, was that game on TV? Because I don't, I didn't watch it either. I don't. But I it was like it at two. Been... It happened at two, so it was like I think we were kind of still at the tailgate, and Baylor game was probably still going on. Maybe yeah, it, it happened around game. the same time as as Texas, Oklahoma State. But yeah, the thing that stuck out to that one for me is. Our previous opponent that we let run all over us only scored 10 points against Texas Tech's defense, Texas Tech beating them 48 to 10. Well, the interesting thing about that is like, I don't, you know, like Parker Fleming, who stats worn um, on Twitter, he puts out this like graph about how did we lose that bad? Every, every, I think Monday or Sunday, he puts out this graph and actually Baylor beat Kansas worse than Texas Tech beat West Virginia based on his numbers. On like his Eccles, yeah. Because what basically what is Texas Tech got turnover luck in short fields to put you know easy scores. Gotcha. So that yeah. So don't turn the ball on, over yeah. this week. Yeah. So basically, yeah. So it, I was shocked too when I read that because because yeah, look at it. You know, thirty-five to twenty-three versus forty to ten. You think well, that's definitely a way worse loss, but in actuality, on advanced metrics, it wasn't. Gotcha. All right. Well, good to know. Okay, so that was last week. We know what we got going on now. Um, I think last yes. week was probably like that was going to be one of the better weeks in the Big Twelve, just with the matchups that were there. This week's pretty good, um, but I, I, I would say it's week. not as good as last week. There's there is a game I'm very interested outside of the Baylor game in though this weekend. Outside the Big Twelve? No, in the Big Twelve. Okay, there's, there's one I'm very interested in. Um, yeah, there's. I think all of them except one are pretty good. Yeah, there's one. So there's so the and of course there's the butt bowl, which we'll get to. There's yeah. there's one game of ranked teams, which yeah. of course they're both ranked. They're tied at second in the Big Twelve, so that's a big one. And then there's there's the bottom feeder bowl, which I'm very interested in. And then there's a game that I don't care about at all. 
Yeah. So let's just start. Let's start with the one we don't care about. We don't care about um, TCU at West Virginia. Aforementioned TCU seven and zero. They are a seven and a half point favorite, traveling on the road to Morgantown against three and four West Virginia, who's kind of back to where they were prior to the Baylor win. You know, they kind of had evened it up and were feeling maybe pretty good about their chances of making a bowl game. I don't think they have great chances of making a bowl game. Yeah, that loss I to think Texas Tech. like they needed another win to kind of make them catapult them to maybe maybe getting one more victory. Yeah, I think we're going to look back on that West Virginia game being a much bigger upset than we realized it was at the time. Yeah. Um, I think I think we're going to be kind of I think we're going to look at that West Virginia loss maybe a little bit like we looked at the look at the TCU loss. From I think uh, we could look at the BYU loss the same way. Agreed. Yeah. Um, because I think this, I think Baylor has a few wins left in them, but yeah. Uh, so yeah, this one, it's a, it's an 11 AM game too, but it's on ESPN. It's the, the, the main ESPN game, which is interesting because there is another 11 AM game, but yeah. Um, yeah, this is TCU's a seven and a half point favorite. Um, what was your pick on this one? Uh, I'm going to go with TCU because I just think it may be to the point to where, I don't know how much fight West Virginia has left in it. Yeah, I agree with you. Well, this the is, thing is, I, I think TCU covers this, but I don't think it it really affects Neil Brown. And if you listen to like Philip and over at the, I mean, he's he's on top of like his buyout, like doesn't change. Like it's still a lot of money to fire him. Like the way his contract is structured, it doesn't decrease. Yeah, if they had done what I thought they may do and only have like one or two wins at this point. Then, like, if they had lost to us in Virginia Tech, I think he would be in serious trouble. But he 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 beat us. He beat Virginia Tech, and being three and five is like I don't think it's quite enough to get him fired midseason. And may and like you said, he's expensive to fire right now. I think if he were at one or two wins, it would be a much hotter seat. But that yeah. win against us kind of kind of saved him. He's not zero and four in Big Twelve. He's one and three. So, but I agree. I think I think TCU. I think TCU covers this handily. Yeah, I mean, this isn't one of the – I mean, I like I said, I called them frauds earlier, but I think it – I think it'll be They're a better football times. team than West Virginia. They just yeah, are. better football game, better football team, absolutely. And I think, you know, going to Morgantown, there is something to that. However, it being at 11 a.m. kind of maybe negates some of that. Yeah, that and they see. weren't they weren't there for us to – I mean, they no, weren't there at for a night our – Yeah, yeah. And they're coming off a 48 to 10 loss. I don't know. So, yeah, sure. That's it. So, we're in agreement there. TCU is yeah. going to cover that game. Um, like, I said, but the, like I said, it was surprising there on ESPN uh, based off of a lot of the media narratives because also at 11 a.m., same time slot on FS1, you have the mighty Oklahoma Sooners heading to Ames, Iowa to take on Iowa State. So, surprising yeah. that Oklahoma didn't get the ESPN draw at the same time slot. Um, there may be like a a draft order and that, that goes in Fox well, sports. Maybe I got- think right now at this point in the season, TCU's a better team. I think that's what, I mean, has to be, but uh, no, Matt, I have been told that Oklahoma's brand is just so powerful that it doesn't matter how good the smaller schools are. Well, anyway, anyway, have fun on FS one at 11 o'clock. Yeah. Have fun on FS one. As you head to Ames, as it as it's getting cold, 
um, to a pretty as a, pissed, as a one point favorite. Yeah, as a one point favorite, Oklahoma one point favored, and and Oklahoma's four and three, one and three in the Big Twelve. Iowa State at the bottom, zero oh and four in the zero oh and four in Big Twelve play, three and four on the season, and it's not like Iowa State could just as easily be what four and zero oh? like <laughs> in Big Twelve play, like. Yeah, I mean, they're like all every single Big Twelve. It's like a one score. Yeah, they could ju- they could be less. undefeated just as much as they could be this 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 dumpster yeah. fire of a season that's happened to them. What um, was it like sh- seven God. point Baylor loss? They should have beaten Texas. Kansas. They had the touchdown, like we talked about. Yeah, three point. Ugh, don't, if I was an Iowa State fan. I'd still be sick in my stomach about that. Yeah. Because that they, game was I mean, won in hand. They legitimately, they legitimately should at least be five and two, two and two in conference right now at the bare minimum. But that's bad news for Oklahoma because Oklahoma's record seems realistic. Iowa State seems unlucky. And yeah, Oklahoma has been blown out twice in their losses. And maybe three. Here's times. the thing. Iowa State's defense can stop anyone. Oklahoma's defense can't stop anyone. And that's all Iowa State needs is a defense that they could score on. And I think they are. They're a one-point dog in this game. They're at home. It's 11 a.m. It's going to be cool. I'm taking I'm taking the Cyclones to to win outright, and I think they win. I think they it's still a one possession game, but it's a, a touchdown on their end this time. They're not losing by one possession. They're going to win by a touchdown. I'll agree with you. I'll agree. Yeah, Oklahoma. I think Iowa State wins outright. Yeah, which we'll put both of them at that. four and four, one and four in Big Twelve play with Oklahoma then at the bottom. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, I feel really good about people on Twitter, like mostly Baylor people that I follow who were like, you know what, Oklahoma's a little suspect. And how much pushback they got against uh, from like OU Twitter people. And uh, just to see them be correct just makes me feel good for them. <laughs> hey, you did name one of our podcasts the eight and four Oklahoma Sooners and, and even you couldn't predict I think I was that. I think I was being too optimistic yeah you were being way too optimistic <laughs> now Matt right. is there yes, another sir. Oklahoma school that we might care about playing yes 230 on Big Fox uh, Oklahoma State six and one they take on Kansas State five and two um Kansas State is a one and a half point favorite at home I don't really know what the quarterback situation is at Kansas State. So, like, the, I wasn't quite clear on why Adrian Martinez was out, like what his injury was. Like, it, it sounded like he was kind of banged up going into the week. Yeah, I don't, I don't really know. I think, yeah, I think he's just a little beat up. Um, I won't lie. I've been in more baseball mode than anything. Um, but I don't, it doesn't matter to me if he plays or not. Um, this, both the, this is tied for second place. Both these teams are three and one. Kansas State five and two overall, like you said. Oklahoma State's number nine in the country. Kansas State's number twenty-two. I actually think that's those are fair kind of rankings. Yeah. Um, I had Kansas State kind of being my my darling to sneak in, but I'm taking Oklahoma to win this one. I'm taking them as a as a road dog. Um, 
even though we've talked about how much home field advantage has mattered in the conference thus far, I think, you know, we've had a couple of weeks where like home teams are very dominant. I think we're going to have uh, an away team kind of week this week as I pick, you know, we got TCU going to Morgantown. I think this is another road win where Oklahoma state yeah. um, pulls it out in Manhattan. Uh, I'm just going to go the other way. I'm okay. going to go with Kansas state to road cover, favorites, cover one and a half. Yeah. Okay. They're going to cover that one and a half. Yeah. I gotcha. Okay. Um, now, yeah, finally, the lone night game, and Big 12 hasn't had a lot of night games, is on ESPN2. Baylor travels to Lubbock. Blackout game. I think they're retiring Patrick Mahomes' number or something like that. He's getting honored in some way. And they are sold out. So it's going to be quite an atmosphere um, at 6.30 p.m. Baylor is right now looks like they or Texas Tech is a two and a half point favorite. So it's basically even on neutral, right? Yeah, I mean it would be uh yeah, it's essentially even. Baylor would be a half point favorite on they're getting like home field, like two and a half, you know, the yeah. Two and a half, three points for home. So basically Vegas is essentially saying these are the same team. Yeah, they're both four and three. Um, and you know, if you look at other, I think. Stats of War again. He did his like analysis. He had it basically even as well. Yeah, I think I think Texas like 50, Tech 51, wins by like point three the... points. Yeah, it was it was extremely close. Um, in in what Parker had in his predictions. Yeah. So, um, however, what they don't take into account is Texas Tech is frauds, and they're not good. They're don't not this, good. Make this poor record this fake record fake fake you out yeah i mean look joey mcguire's great great all right i i love joey i think he's doing great things there but at some point the wheels are going to come off in lubbock and it starts now like there is one team that i think is just i mean you just look at our offense we are just climbing and climbing and climbing and we look good and shaping is more and more comfortable. Mm-hmm. You talked about how like it's Halloween, it's a night game, it's a blackout, all this stuff on the road. Lubbock's so hard to play in. There will not be an atmosphere that we play in maybe for years that will match what BYU threw at us. That was correct. That was Beaver Stadium. That was Penn State night game level stuff that we faced in Provo. Like the coordination of what they were wearing, the coordination of like the jumping and screaming and every single person in that crowd, not just the student section, every single person in Provo being involved in that, man, these guys aren't going to see any worse in Lubbock than they saw in Provo. So they've seen it before. They're prepped. Plus we've got, do you want tortillas thrown at you or do you want free ice cream? I mean, come on. Yeah. Nobody cares about tortillas. Who cares? We got, Probably the best freshman running back in the country in Richard Reese. The dude is a monster. He gets better and better every single week. We got Khalil Keith coming back. Matt, I don't know if you saw in the game, he was subbing in and out with Gavin Byers at right tackle. And when he was in there, you could tell he's markedly back. better. The offensive oh line my. is like markedly dude, better. Dude was mauling people. And all he's just, he's got to get his breath back, right? Like you got to get back in football shape. That's why he wasn't able to play every single snap because. Playing a game ain't like playing practice. I mean, so you're absolutely right. 
He's Richard back Lewis though. 186 yards, and that's mainly behind offensive line, which is moving Kansas out of the way and just moving them. If Khalil kicks back, not subbing in and out, like if he's like a if he starts the game and he's going to play, you know, the line share of the snaps. I mean, I really think Baylor's going to do the same thing. And Tech ain't great at run defense. I want to say like 91st in the country. Yep. So I think Baylor's going to just play RVO football and be able to do what they did last week against Texas Tech as well. They are going to control this football game and they are going to out physical Texas Tech. Yes. And that's going to be tough to do to a Joey McGuire coach team. But at some point, and they play hard. I'll say they're frauds. But they, they do. do play and hard. I'll say they're a good football team. They're much better than I thought they were going to be. But here's the deal, man. Here's the deal. At some point, all the pomp and circumstance, the blackout, the, the quarterback that you never won with, that's now going to be an NFL Hall of Famer is coming home. You've got the Joey McGuire storyline. You've got all this. It's going to be too, it's too much, man. And there is a pissed off group of football players coming out of Waco that know everything that they wanted to do earlier in the season. They just weren't quite ready to take it. And they're pissed off about that. And they know that there's still some stuff that they can go out, uh, go out there and get in front of them. This is another separation game, just like it was last week against Kansas. It was, can you separate with these guys in the standings? You're tied with them. Same exact thing. You get the exact same record that Texas Tech has right now, both out of conference and in conference. This is a prove it game. This is a, we are not in the bottom half. We are in the top half of this conference and we are not done challenging to play in Arlington at the end of the year. This is that game. And man, if there's two coaches that I got, or if there's a hundred coaches that I got to pick out of that are going to get a guy that are going to get the guys to understand that at its core and not get too high on it, but understand what it means and want it real bad. It's Dave Aranda. So I know Texas Tech's favored by two and a half points. I know it's a road game, but I'm telling you guys, this is the road week. Baylor's taking this game. They're winning by 10 points. Yes. And here's what I'll say about it. Texas Tech went out, hired Baylor coach, a Baylor coach to be their head football coach. Um, great hype man, John McGuire. And then – they he went on and then hired a bunch of Baylor staff. But at the end of the day, as much as Texas Tech wants to be Baylor by hiring their coaches, they're just not ever going to be. And those are just facts. It's just facts, man. It's just fa- we're flattered. We are flattered. We get it. I know. We live it. We trust me. We we understand why you if, want this. If, yeah, exactly. If I wasn't us, I'd want to be us too. Yeah, but. But the copy ain't ever going to be the same as the original, baby. And I think our 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 friend Evan Abair made a great point today on Twitter. Like, I'm trying to find the tweet right now. Something to the effect of, "There is a stretch of time when Baylor was very bad. I want to say, very bad." And yeah, the mid 90, it was about 14 straight years. And I want to say Texas Tech probably swept Baylor those during that time span and still are on the opposite the losing end, end, losing end, of losing the record overall record. record. Yep. I think he's like, yeah. So if that doesn't tell you everything you need to know, I don't know what will. Mm. It's going to be sweet, Matt. It's what's be your, real what sweet. do you got? How, what's your score? It's a, 
My score is 45-35. I think Baylor wins like uh, like 55-3. to 55-3. Okay. Yeah, I got I, – I can see that one. See it? I like – I yeah. think if, if you close your eyes, squint – I mean, I know imagine. you're trying, and I know you're trying to be on the unbiased side because you said they get three. Yeah, I think I'm being. So you're generous. not being a homer. No, 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 no. I'm being generous here because I mean, the favorite by two and a half. You know, I gave him that three. Yeah, you. Yeah, they, Vegas said that they would get two and a half points, yeah. and so you get. Yeah, no, I mean that's fair, dude. Fifty-five to three. You heard it first, Bear Den Pod. Fifty-five to three. Yes, I mean, and I know they're all. They love Baylor. I mean, they've they've said it on Twitter multiple times. All the different podcasts out there they they've it's it's documented yeah especially the talking tech pod they've documented they love baylor it's true yeah it, it was said on twitter so it's facts. Have photos of it yes. yeah all right that's college football this week let's let's <laughs> it's college football let's let's slide in and talk about some hot d yeah let's take our dragon over to some hot d all right so as you as you guys know uh, for the I, and I, I did find out that we actually do have people that like listen to just the sports side and then have to turn it off because they're behind on on House of the Dragon. Um, so House of the Dragon spoilers for episode ten, the final episode of season one, all Matt, preceding episodes. Yeah, yeah, and of course everything else that happened before this. Matt, what did you think about the final episode of the season? Yeah, you know, I really liked it. A A to F. I would give it a. I'd give it an a. A good, like a it. good solid A. A good solid A. As like I, I told our friend Peter Pope today, I think a near perfect final episode finale for the first season. All right, so I, I just finished it about forty five ish minutes ago. I'll actually give it an A. I totally agree with you. I, I had it was a, with the exception of the first five minutes with the, with yet another Game of Thrones birth scene, um that. For my own personal experiences in life, I'm not comfortable with. Yeah. <laughs> and I can't imagine having like being like a pregnant person watching that, going through like our own personal experiences, or being a husband or a significant other of a pregnant person. Um, it would be hard to watch. It was hard for me to watch as it was. In fact, I skipped through it because I didn't want to watch it. I did the same. I skipped through. Like I when I, I like, knew okay. what was coming, I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna scroll up like five seconds. Yep. You don't miss anything important. No. Uh, but besides that scene, it was an absolutely thrilling episode. The end was spectacular. Um, I had a blast watching it, and it, it all it did final was make shot. Me- I want to say that final shot, no, we're skipping way ahead, was like a a Warner, like it was just a one take shot all the way following. All right, so you're referring to when Damon walks her to the fireplace. Yes. Yes. So that like was actually Damon a, into the it room. was a Matt Smith idea. That was uh that's a, that was just an amazing final shot. So I, I read a little thing about that shot and it was, they had something else scripted. Matt Smith came up and suggested the camera just pan follow Damon as, you know, basically in a one take. And uh, grab Rhaenyra by the hand and walk her to the fireplace and, and tell her that way. And they went with it and they were like, so, wow, that was that was really, really good. So 
That was actually Matt Smith kind of doing the directing there a little bit on, on that scene. No, that was spectacular. Um, uh, yeah, let's just dive into it real quick. Um, so yeah, like w- what we thought about the storyline here, you and I are both on the, on team already kind of know what happens based off of what happens in the books. Yeah. Um, so I thought what this was did, coming in the end or like, I that. thought this did great justice to that story. Yeah. And it kind of enhanced it to, for, to me, for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, let's start from the beginning. So what I like about this, and we really should have talked about it like nine and 10 together because they are kind of companion episodes because you have episode nine was the green council and this is the black queen. So it's kind of like you're telling the same story from their different perspectives because it happens. It's right after it. Right. Yeah. I mean, they are in sequential order. Like everything that happens in 10 does happen after nine. They're not running concurrently. So, um, so basically Rainey's arrives on Dragonback at Dragonstone to tell Rhaenyra and Damon that what's all going on in King's Landing. Yes, Viserys is dead. They have crowned Aegon, and Rhaenys also kind of delivers the news of I'm not picking sides. Yes. Um, and then Aemon jumps straight to like they murdered my they murdered Viserys and stole his throne. Yes, Damon is immediately like, you know, they they murdered my brother and they stole my wife's throne. Like he is, he's ready to just go to war immediately. immediately. And then you know, hearing this news, it looks like Rhaenyra, it kind of triggers a medical emergency, basically, because she is pregnant. Yes, the stre- it, it appears that the stress has forced her to go into labor, which is then when we, we have the, the birth scene, which Matt and I have already alluded to, where she gives birth to a stillborn baby. Which in this, we've seen... Damon in a previous previous marriage during a, a, a difficult labor where he was present. This he was all in on like plotting war. Yeah, he is. He's not present during the in the, the birthing room during the childbirth at all. Yes. And he's asked if he wants to speak to the maester and he just gives his king's guard a look. Um and and also Rhaenyra does call it like she, you know, uh, her sons, Lucerus and Chase, ask. You know, where's Damon? And she's like, I don't know, off with his madness. Well, yeah, he said like war. he says, gone to madness, plotting yeah. his war. Yeah. And, and so and she knows like exactly like where his head's at. Yeah, his head is fully in this. Now, to be fair, the actions that he's taken are taking are probably the most prudent at this time. Yeah, considering. All the yeah, he's 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 he not has. he's not going to war yet per se. He is sending ravens off. He is <clears throat> collecting information on on where his allies are, what understanding are numbers, where people stand. Our military might where we stand. Yeah, everything. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and then so she tells her oldest son that no decision be made without her approval, basically. And so Luke, or no, Jace goes, they both go, and then Jace kind of stops anything from going out. Like, no Raven's been sent out, nothing until his mom is back. And then Damon takes him to, he goes, let me show you something about, let me. And Damon ignores him, and and the the court at this moment obeys Damon and not the, the son of Rhaenyra. Yeah. So, and then he goes and to show him a test of loyalty, and takes him out there and they have the two Kingsguard who are sworn to the king. 
Um, and he kind of basically says, you know, where do where your where do you lie? Where your loyalties lie? You know, if you can you can side with us if if you believe that Rhaenyra is the rightful queen. Um, if not, go ahead and tell me right now. I'll have my dragon give you a quick, honorable, clean death. You won't feel a thing. Um, those are your two choices. And then you do have a third option, which is to lie, say that you're going to be with us and then betray us later. And he basically says, if you do that, I promise you'll die screaming. Um, oh, and who shows up but Craxies, just to put an exclamation yes. point on his what he's saying. So what did you think of this scene? Because uh, like you mentioned, he sa- he says to Jace, he says, let me show you the true meaning of loyalty. Yeah, um, I think he's teaching him a lesson. I think he's trying to teach him something about being a, a Targaryen, basically. and having. I thought it was more than that. I didn't I didn't think this was ego or I don't I don't think this was belief that the Targaryens are any more powerful than anybody else in innately. No. I think what he was conveying is loyalty only goes so far as people fear you. And like, you have yes. to give them a reason to be loyal. No. Yeah. That's, that's what I was getting at because later on in the episode, whenever, you know, Jay says like, let me go on dragon back. It's faster. And he also says, and dragons are more convincing. And I think he really got that lesson from Damon earlier in the episode. Mm-hmm. That's what I took away from it. Like he learned like, Okay, we have this tool we can use to our disposal to be more, for what they said, convincing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got yeah. That's definitely there because he. This is a very dragon themed episode for Damon, where he's he's very much trying to convey that at the end of the day, like you can make all of these alliances and you can get all the people to bend the knee to you, but where our true power as Targaryens sits is the fact that we have dragons, and if we have more dragons. Then the other side has dragons. Then we are the more powerful side. Um, that's very much Damon's ethos at the moment. But yeah. um, I still think that it was a it was almost like a royalty lesson to Jace. Like beyond just yeah. the dragons, it's you can't trust anybody inherently. There, you have to give them a reason to follow you. And in this case, it is the power that we we hold with dragons. Um, but yeah, I thought, I, I thought it was interesting. I don't think Damon, like it's, it's Damon being Damon, right? Like he's an anti-hero. Like he legitimately would have killed these guys if they gave him a reason to in that moment. Yeah, He would have, if they would have said, we, we serve the King, he would have like cut their heads off. Well, he I tells think, him no, I think he would have just had Caraxes burn alive. Well, he, he tells him if you don't, you'll get a clean, honorable, clean death. But he goes, if you, if you are treacherous. You will die screaming. And I think that's what he's telling them. Like, we'll burn you to death if you're treacherous. You're not going to get, you know, an honorable death in that. Regard. I don't know. The, I think basically how his, his wife died from getting burned up by a dragon. So I, I think uh, she seemed okay with that. But anyway, we digress. I don't so know. You <laughs> asked me, that, do you want me to stab you or burn you alive? I say, well, uh, stab me. Yeah, it's not like it's not like you're getting just like set on fire with a match, though. Like you're going to be incinerated almost instantly with with the dragon. You, I, I guarantee you won't feel like a dragon burns you. You're not going to feel it. Like not up close, at least. We'll never know. I don't know. It, people were debating if they could beat a gorilla on Twitter again today. So, so I, we I don't think debate, we need to like, debate on on how what dragons would uh, dying by dragon would hot. suck. I think so would so would so getting your head cut off. That would suck too. Um, So so we anyway, we move on from there. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay, so then you we have this scene. Eventually, uh, their child was stillborn. I'm I'm assuming that's um, what happened. Um, so then they have a. You, I liked one thing. I didn't like the scene. I didn't like the circumstances, but I did like that they showed Damon, you know, coping with this, you know, loss of a child, basically. Yeah, and I mean, they it, was showed, a, it was a funeral for a baby, which was they, like an immediate yeah. funeral. Yeah, and they show Rhaenyra like kind of wrapping her in the like burial clothes and everything, or the cloth. And during this funeral scene, our old friend, Eric with an E, Shows up, Kingsguard, with a who, present. Yes, with her father's crown, and does his like whole oath, his Kingsguard oath to Rhaenyra, and swears fealty to her, and then Damon takes the crown and crowns her queen. And uh, everything is like a lot more if you compare it to the previous episode. It's a lot more somber, of course, because it is at a funeral. Her father has just died. Her, her she just lost her child that she was pregnant with. Um, her crown's been usurped. So like everything, and there's no good news in anything that's happened in the recent events to Rhaenyra and Damon. Nothing comparatively to like last year, they were like doing this whole like pomp and circumstance in front of the people and. Um, big ceremony in uh, King's Landing. Yeah, they're they've they've you know the hatchet has felt buried for them. They know there's still some stuff there, but like they're at this point now where they're just kind of like happily living their life. Their kids have the birthright that they expect. They kind of they're kind of in a nice little peaceful place. Um, yeah. And now this episode is the antithesis of that, right? It's ev- everything in their world is being, they've lost a child. Their birthright has been stolen. Um, the lives of their children are now under threat. Uh, they don't, they don't know what's They don't know if they're already at war. Like it's another thing at this point in the episode is they don't know. Yeah. They don't know. I mean, right now all, they've just gone against what was like, you know, the King's wishes that everyone, Swore filthy to and made a allegiance to as Rainier was the the rightful heir, right? And so they, they have no idea if throne. if there's a fleet sailing to them right now. Like yeah. they're they're basically going in full defense mode, and and you know that's something Damon yeah. tells tells Rainier. Like we can defend Dragonstone pretty easily. Like it's it's it would be very yeah. difficult to like to actually come in and defeat us here. But if we wanted to be offensive, we're in trouble. And, and even going back to the, the first scene of the show, like Rainey's come, she's like, they're coming for you and your children. Leave Dragonstone immediately before mm-hmm. she goes into labor. You know what I mean? She's kind of telling her like they're, you know, they're coming for you. So I, she, I guess we go into like her black, black council or Targaryen council around the table. Well, let's talk about the table for a second. It's so much cooler than in Game of Thrones. Like, oh my god! Yeah, it lights Stannis up. This did this? Come on, Danny. How did you not know how to light up the table? 
I mean, there wasn't. They have. There's no note about how to work the the painted table. Yeah, there's no instructions taped to the wall. Like, because this thing is sweet. You put a little fire underneath it, and boom, Slide it lights in up. in this tray that has candles on it, a bunch of candles, and it illuminates from beneath. It's just it's so so much cooler. It is, and so it's a cool, cool table as is. But I love that little. Um, that little part of it that how they slid the, the candles or fire underneath and, and illuminated it. But it's, yeah, it's beautiful. It is they're beautiful. around the table, you know, kind of make, you know, she says like, where do we stand? You know? So they're doing the same thing they were doing before. Like here's how many bowmen swords, everything we have. And then they get a message comes in from one of the Kings guard, I believe. And they, you know, a ship with green dragon sigils coming in. And yeah, is. they have already gone in and like, like, you know, the Targaryens have been red forever. They're going to be green now. Yeah. So I think for as much as Alicent and Otto and just the Hightowers in general and their little their little green council, as much as they want to make this be like, we're not doing anything wrong. This is the right way to do things. You guys are the bad ones. You should just yeah. acquiesce to us because of tradition. Like. They're doing everything they can to make it look like a coup. <laughs> yeah. They're 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 not doing anything to make it look like this is the right way to do things and we're just keeping the status quo and the other person's a usurper. Like they the they change up tons of stuff inside the castle. They change the dragons from red to green. Like it, well, yeah, and that's the whole thing. Like the Targaryen said was either red dragon on black or black on red that's normally how right. they, black and red and they've changed completely to like the high tower green targaryen sigil yeah they they don't do a good job of hiding this but yeah it's they get this message that there's this ship and an auto high tower is who shows up which is wild hand of the king i mean you could have sent a messenger for this but hand of the king and grandfather of the king yeah but I mean, Damon's like, he, I love this scene because you see him like he's pacing back and forth on this bridge. Like he's just chomping at the bit to do something. He wants to fight, man. He, I mean, wants, he wants to. I mean, Matt Smith did such a great job with just the, the physical parts of the performance. Like the when he leans, Kenny, when he's in, in most scenes, uh, when he's not in the central character and he's kind of leaning up against the wall in the back, just watching everything. But yeah, also he even yells at. He even yeah. yells at Rhaenys at the beginning of the episode where he's like, you escaped yes. on your dragon. You could have killed their whole family and you didn't. And she's like, yo, that's not my war start, dude. Like I was well, just no, immediately. Out. He says, and yet you escaped alive. Like, yeah, like in no. his mind, like he would have gone down. Well, not he, only he, that, but if alive. she's out alive, is she a spy? Yeah. So, I mean, but yeah, his mind is immediately to war. I mean, as soon as he gets the news and even now, like he's pacing the bridge, like he is antsy and he doesn't already doesn't like auto and so they give these terms to yeah. Rhaenyra and Damon shows up Rhaenyra. on her dragon it's kind of it's it's cool because I think one of the earlier episodes one of the first three episodes I think whenever they did the same thing and when she was younger she shows up she was just on auto side and does yeah. the exact same thing it's really just a a great uh, callback to that previous scene. And she once again prevents violence. Yes. 
which I don't think she ever intended to accept the terms, but it was just to hold to stop, you know, the first blood from being shed. So, so the terms are that she recognizes that Aegon is king, gives up her right, and then uh, her oldest she son, Princess of Dragonstone. Yeah, she gets to keep Dragonstone, and it's in her family line forever. Yeah, and uh. She her family also gets Driftmark. Uh, Jace would they will recognize Jace as the heir to Driftmark rightfully, which is something they hadn't been willing to do earlier in the show. Um, and then they will also make the children that she has had with Damon uh, high positions in the court, starting off as the um, the cupbearer of the king and the, and the squire of the king, yeah. um, which are both kind of. They're servant positions, but you get to be in the room for very important conversations. And, and during that, during, awesome. you know, in this world, those would be looked at as like jobs that would rep- prepare you for leadership someday. Um, but someone at a Targaryen status would probably honestly look at those as, as servant roles. Um, but anyway, basically what they, what Otto offers them is everything they would have if she was queen anyway. Yeah. <laughs> like, all of these things that we that your dad already established were yours, we're gonna let you have those things. Like, no, like he's really coming empty-handed. He's essentially saying, like, you know, it's war or we just don't kill you. Like that's that's kind of the promise here. Is like if you if you go ahead and swear to us, we won't kill you. That's that's kind of all that's happening. And I think to tell you the truth, I know you said you don't think that she was actually considering the terms. I, I legitimately do think she was for this entire episode. I think she was legitimately considering the terms. Maybe. Because she she continues to bring up that her role as queen, you know, she asks the question, is my role in queen to serve and defend the realm or is it to hold on to the iron throne as long as I possibly can? Like what, what does it mean to be the monarch of this world? Yeah, like, that's the question she's asking. She's also being smart. It's like, she doesn't know who her allies are yet. Right. She doesn't want to like full barrel go into war because she doesn't have all the information yet. Yeah. And she, you don't want to just get routed and then it's over. But I do think at the same time, like as we've seen and as has been established throughout the show, she avoids violence like she doesn't want things killed needlessly. And I don't like um, when Damon brings up, they don't need big militaries that they have 13 dragons to the four that the greens have. She she makes the statement like what I would just be. I'm not here to rule over ash and bone. Like she says, I've read I've heard the histories. I've been told the stories. I know what it's like when dragons go into battle. And yeah, they're nearly impossible to defeat. But guess what? They burn everything. And she doesn't she doesn't want to see that. Like, it's almost like kind of she's thinking of it in the state of like, do I do these two superpower families that have weapons of mass destruction? If I have the ability to prevent that war from happening, then I'm going to do that. And she does mention to Damon, she's like, if there was a way to beat Otto Hightower without killing him, that's the way we need to take. Um, So she's kind of thinking through her options. And I and I do think she legitimately sees one of her options as accepting it. I don't I don't think she probably ever would. And the way the episode ends, it's pretty clear that that's way out the window now. But yeah, she gets this offer of like, you can avoid civil war. Like, we won't kill your family. I promise. Yes. So. They go back after they receive the terms. 
you know, Damon makes some threats. So she kind of stops all that and tells everyone to that she'll get their answer on, on the morrow. And they go back to their council and kind of make their plans to kind of see where everything's at, right? They're going to send ravens. They, they name drop, like, you know, the yeah, uh, An river. important thing that I think we've skipped over from that last conversation is that I thought it was interesting the way Otto did things. So to this point, what has triggered all of this was not, or we were lead, led to believe that it wasn't just that Viserys died. It was that Viserys died and Alicent said that um, his final request was for Aegon to be king. And so that was kind of publicly, that's what Otto told everybody. Like when they, when they crowned Aegon king, they said with the dying wish of the king, this is what it was. This is what they told all the, all the powerful houses that happened to be in King's Landing when he had them bend the knee. All of these, all of these groups have been told that's what it was. When he goes to Rhaenyra, he doesn't say anything about that. He just, he literally says like, here's the deal. Viserys died. We crowned him king in front of a septum. Yeah. In the dragon's den, in front of a thousand people, he's the firstborn son of the king. We have, he says something along the lines of, "We have every like, um, like visage, like every view of legitimacy that we have." Like basically, he's saying like, "Nothing else matters." Like your dad legally naming you heir doesn't matter because we have the perception of legitimacy because of these actions that we did a few days ago, is is what he's saying, and he, and it intrigued me that. He's not he's not trying to like hang his hat on something that his daughter told him that her husband said while he was dying. Like he's just straight up coming out and saying it's a coup. Deal with it. Yeah. And then the whenever we do get to the council, you know, they're they name drop like Winterfell, River Run, the Erie, Aaron, House Aaron. And they're gonna send ravens and kind of see where they stand with their who are their allies? So the two youngest, her, her oldest sons, but the two youngest at the table, Luke and Jace, they say, send us. And then before that, though, what happens before that? The meeting is interrupted. Oh, yes. So this, yeah, you're absolutely correct. So they, she's considering it and she's kind of talking with her counsel. And then Damon, gets upset that I guess that she is not fully in on war and she clears the room because he he kind of like what are you going to do about it kind of yells at her in front of everybody that's a different meeting but yes this did happen yes and then um, he chokes she, her he <laughs> chokes her when she starts talking about the uh, the dream of ice and fire the song of ice and fire and she will and she she says it's just like Viserys always talked about, and he says, "Well, Viserys has all these like prophecies and these like yeah. visions, and it was like his his excuse for for all this, you know, all this stuff that he never did." And then she says, "He never told you, did he?" Like yeah. she realizes. Looking, I mean, at he it, was like he was like choking, choking her. This wasn't like, yeah, he was like, oh yeah, but he gets he gets very angry. I think once he realizes, like, a she's not doing what he wants her to do, and b like. That is a uh, the thing that that came to my mind of like what really pushed his button there that caused him to cross the line into unacceptable domestic violence um, was that he realized that Varys never considered him an option to be heir. 
like legitimately never considered him because the only reason Rhaenyra knows this is because she was the heir. And that tells him like Viserys didn't even come to him and like tell him that just in case, like just in case he changed his mind and something happened, like he never even went and told his own brother this, this story. And I think that, I think that pushed Damon into like a very so yeah. So like he Viserys's mom, like he was never really the heir because he never got this information, and Viserys fully expected to have a, a male child who would be his heir. Yeah, even before I, he made I the think, decision to name Rhaenyra. So she, we have it's a very uh, I hate I hated it um, with him choking her because I really want to like Damon. I do. I mean, he crosses these. Well, lines. Yeah, but I mean, this is. He's been this character. I mean, he did murder his first he wife. He did murder his first wife. This is correct. Yes. So anyway. Anyway, so, we leave that. We get to the other meeting you were referring to, which is yes. where where talk of Ravens is happening. But right before that, we see a shot of Corliss Valerian waking up in bed. Um a uh, a point of uh, a plot point in many ways that has caused some things over the last couple of episodes was um what was going on with him in the step zones and whether or not he would be alive. He had been gravely injured. Uh, we see him waking up with Rainey sitting next to him. He's been, his people have sailed him to Dragonstone where he is now. He wakes up and, you know, he gets a very hearty talking to from his wife about how he abandoned her for a life at sea and adventure. And he basically says, look, you were right this whole time. Uh, this was folly on my part. I'm not chasing power any longer. I don't care about the iron throne. We are going to declare allegiance to absolutely nobody. We're going to go back to Driftmark. We're going to live our lives, and we are not going to get in the middle of this anymore. And then Rhaenys looks at him. Rhaenys, the person who has been telling him for a while now that we need to get out of this, says, hey, those are our grandkids that they're going to try to kill when this war happens. So sorry, I know I've said I wanted to be out of this, but now we have to get involved. But also it's like she's the only one like holding this whole thing together. Yeah, that was the other thing is you could t- like this whole episode they've been showing Rainis is like studying Rhaenyra like because for a long time in this show, she's talked about how like the people would never accept a queen. They would never follow a woman. How could a woman be in this role? And I for her, I think that was like a little bit of self-hate for her because she felt like her her rightful place on the Iron Throne was taken from her. So, uh, you know, like, why would this other woman kind of get it? But you can tell she grows increasingly impressed with Rhaenyra's leadership and the way that people respond to her and her actions. And you see like these little smiles come on Rhaenys's face. And she says that she says out of everybody that's in that room, they're all trying to go to war. And Rhaenyra is the only one that's keeping them from it. Like she is, yeah. she says she's the one keeping the realm together. Absolutely. But we get, but. we get this meeting that you were referring to where there's talk of Ravens and stuff and, and, what needs to happen? And it's interrupted with Corliss Valerian making his entrance. And what does Corliss do, Matt? He pledges his ships, all of the, his navy, to her cause. Yes, he comes in and, and he starts asking questions about, you know, what, what houses have, have allied with you. And she said she hopes that she has, you know, Stark and Baratheon and Aaron and Tully. Yeah. And he goes, hope. And she responds with, well, you know, they pledged these oaths. And she's, and then she says, you also pledged an oath, which yes. I thought was like a, a really great way to do it. She doesn't, 
it's it's a powerful way of doing things because she's asking the question without looking like she has to ask. Yeah, well, he says, so did the high terrors. And he said, and she goes, so did you. Yeah. And in which case he says, I I got your back. You got my ships. Yeah. yeah, he says like this high tower treason cannot go unanswered. Yes. And he delivers some more news, which is that he has completely defeated the triarchy and completely owns the stepstones, which means if they just push in a little bit further, they could blockade King's Landing from basically any trade. Yes. So he immediately puts Rhaenyra in a much more powerful position than she was before. At this point, she's got dragon superiority. She's got uh, sea superiority. The only thing she's missing now is like just pure manpower and political power superiority. So she's got to go get that from the North, the Starks. So if she gets the Starks, the entire North will basically follow with Winterfell. Yeah. She's got to get the Aarons, who are her own blood, and she needs to get the Baratheons. And this is when her kind of sons volunteer. That they'll go. They say dragons are faster. And this is where Jay says, and they're more convincing. So they go off. And we follow young Luke who goes to Storm's Inn to and meet with he's Boris told, Baratheon. He's told by his mom, like, look, you you share blood with the mm-hmm. Baratheons through your grandmother, and uh, Boros Baratheon is a guy, he, he likes fancy people coming. Like, he likes he likes famous people being there. You're a prince of the realm. Yeah. He's going he's gonna to welcome you with open arms. You're going to get this super warm welcome when you get there. Um you don't have to worry about a thing. It's the shorter ride. Um, everything's going to be good. Don't worry about it. Then. Right. And so when he arrives to Storm's End, as he's walking in, we see something behind the castle, a large creature, and it is Vagar, the largest dragon in existence. Largest dragon. And she is ridden by. Aemon Targaryen. And Lucerus has made blinded or cut out one of his eyes. Took one of damaged enough to take one of his eyes. Yes. So he goes and he makes one thing. I want to see if you caught this on. So Boris Baratheon, he's like, he, he can't read, right? That's what we get from this scene. Yes, he is illiterate. Because then he uh they he sends a message over and he says, call the maester. And yeah, he, he hands them, he, he yeah. handed a letter and he's immediately he's like, you guys know I can't read this. Bring the maester in here. to read." Yeah. So, and kind of says, basically he reads it and he says, he gets kind of offended by it because it's basically, it says like, let me remind you of the oath you pledged. And yes. And, and as Otto had mentioned before, all the same families that Rhaenyra is going to try to talk to right now, they're already being talked to by the yes. by the green faction. But and he says and they're, you know, basically they're bringing offers of like reward. Like it's not just, hey, you, we're the king. You need to look, you know, you need to pledge your allegiance to us. It's if you do, we'll give you this. Correct. And he says that the. Hightower, they brought a, a marriage proposal to one of his daughters 
to Eamon to uh, be patrolled to one of his daughters. And he asked Luke that same, which one of my daughters will you marry? And to which he says, like, I'm already betrothed. Like, I cannot. And that doesn't sit well either. And basically Luke says, I'll t- you know, he's, he, he is only 14 years old. We find out earlier in this episode. And so he says, I'll take your answer to my, to the queen, basically. Yeah, he's um, like, I'm just here as a messenger. Like, yeah. I'm not here as a warrior. I'm just, yeah, I'm just here as a messenger. I'll, I'll, I'll relay your, your message to the queen. But uh, Eamon had other plans. And so he wants him to gouge out his eye. He says he's going to give it to his mother as a gift. Yeah, he says, uh, yeah, Lucera says, I'm not going to fight you because he's made yeah. to promise. He promises his mother he won't get into a fight. They don't want to start yeah, a war. He says, I'm only here as a messenger. Yeah. And and Amon looks at him and is like, I don't want you to fight me. Like, that would be too easy. Like, I don't, yeah. like he's like, you're a kid. I'm a highly trained, like, badass at this point. Um, yes. And, you know, throws him a knife, tells him to cut out his eye. He says, no. Uh, Amon basically runs over to attack him. And Boris Baratheon's like, yo, absolutely not. The kid is here as an envoy. And uh, no blood will be spilt under my roof. Correct. And, and he he orders his guards to escort Lucerus out of the hall to his dragon. To which he does, and he leaves, and Aemon goes after him. And there's this dragon chase, Storm's End is there's a rumor in one of the in the book, though, correct? About about what happens after he walks out of the hall. Yeah, no, yeah. So based on the accounts, um, he kind of gets goaded by one of his daughters, right? One of the yes. daughters of, of Baratheon's um, kind of questions his, his manhood because he, he won't go after him or whatever like that. Right. It's something along the lines of like, you can't kill him here, but he's not here anymore. Yeah. So now that didn't happen in the show. And it looks like. We don't like, see that. Yeah, correct. We don't see we that. Don't, all we see is Lucerys hopping on his dragon Arax and, and flying away in the middle of a pretty nasty storm. Yes, and then Eamon goes after him, um, jumps on Vagar, goes after him, and you kind of see, you see Luke and Aerith kind of flying through the storm, and above him, the lightning kind of illuminates, and you see how large Vagar is in comparison. And yeah, we're talking about a blue whale next to, like, a seagull. Yeah, or, like... A hand glider next to like a 747. It's like, yeah, it's, 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 it's huge. A, yeah. Well, you mentioned that, you know, Lucerius is 14 and he looks kind of big on Arax. Yes. So, and there's this chase and, you know, it, it looks like it's kind of just aiming bullying him. You right. Know? You get the sense that at any point it, it didn't ever seem like Amon was missing. Like, it looked like he was playing with his food because yes. he's just, he's just doing flyby after flyby. Um, but it shows how loose, how smart Lucerus though is though, because he dives down, he, and he, he's, he starts telling Arax to like turn hard, you no know, understanding that his lack of size is actually an advantage of avoiding Vagar. Um, and then he eventually flies down into like a cavern that, that Vagar is too, too big to fly into. So, Flies down there, gets into some safety, and um, 
and for a moment escapes and we get kind of a look into the relationship between the dragon rider and the dragon here because when you know luceris is getting on arax to fly away like he he's giving him instructions in high valerian um not just sit stay fly like it's sentence like pretty it's like okay you have to stay focused you have to listen to me don't do anything that i don't tell you to do like he's like fully having a conversation with the dragon of like okay these are your instructions these are what you have to do and he's kind of doing that while he's flying too like he's giving him orders in high valerian um yeah there's this one one that keeps on coming up they would say they say serve me serve me right yes in in high valerian both of them are saying this and it goes to show that like these dragons still do have a mind of their own. Like they will, they are not a hundred percent controllable because the rider has to continuously remind the dragon, like, okay, you're about to, this is a stressful situation. You want to go back to your base instincts. Don't do that. Listen to me. I will get us through this. Yeah. Um, and you see Arax kind of goes back to his base instinct. He loses losing, control, losing control and, and breathes fire. flies up out of this cavern and, fire breathes on on to vagar not doing much damage whatsoever yeah and it it kind of just that just vagar loses it and he goes back like he he reverts to oh yeah i'm a dragon yeah at this and point it is not a dragon. dragon rider fight it is a dragon fight and aemon loses all control and you see and wants it to not happen he he keeps yeah. saying no 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 vagar no and they go up there and you think maybe, you know, they're out of the storm. Um, yeah. Eric flies above yeah. the storm, which I'm not gonna lie. My first thought was like, man, it'd be really cold up there. Yeah. And then out of nowhere. Gets chomped. Vagar eats Arax and Lucerus. And they show like, it's just like two wings fluttering down to the ocean below. I believe one of them is supposed to be ahead because in the book, the way that uh, David and Rhaenyra find out is a couple of days later, Arax's head washes up on shore. Yeah, I think Luke's, I mean, one account, Luke's body also. We don't see that also, any of that. I don't think based off of the way they filmed that Luke's body exists anymore. (laughs) Yeah, in the books, it was more of a, he falls to his death, I think is basically how how you'd read it. Because his yeah. body does wash up on the shore, or at least part of it. Um, so, and you get to see the aftermath on Eamon, where he kind of realizes, I don't yeah, know. He has he, he has feels bad, but he realizes like, what have I done? What has happened? Yeah. So, the next scene is a scene we already talked about, where you see, you follow Damon into the. I guess it's her her chambers where the the painted table is. You can't hear any. The, yeah, and you can tell it's a uh, it's a very busy scene. There's people moving around talking, but you can't hear a thing. Yeah, this is also I talked about Matt Smith, but um, the I'm blanking on her name right now. The actress that plays Rhaenyra, um, she is does a great job too. Oh, she's stellar. You, Because you see just from behind, you can see her taking in this information, processing the information, and then she kind of hunches over Emma Darcy. That's her name. Emma Darcy. Um, She hunches over and then kind of straightens up and slowly turns or it's in slow motion. And you see that look on her face. And then you kind of get the full gist of like, okay, now 
this has started the dance of the dragons. She does. She makes a literal turn. This is the one person that's sitting there. And, and as I think it's, it's a little bit of an injustice to Alicent as well to say she's the one person because Alicent also doesn't want to go to war. Um, yeah. Alicent out of everybody kind of fully believes that Viserys wanted her kid. Like, cause she doesn't, she, she heard Aegon. She thinks it's her son. It makes sense that she would think that's what he was saying. <laughs> um, so she, she, she fully believes that she's doing the right thing, but she also doesn't, she's demanded that they don't just go kill Rhaenyra. Right? If it was up to Otto, Rhaenyra would have been dead. They would have just gone and attack. Yeah. Um, they all would have been dead. So Her children that, yeah. Yeah. This would have, this war would have already started. So Alicent also doesn't, Rhaenyra doesn't, but this moment when her, when her child dies, it's a, it's, a, you know, in the scene, she's literally turning around, but she's also like figuratively making this turn from no peace is not an option anymore. Like we're, we're not investigating peace. Like, and like you said, like it's the dance of dragons has now begun. The civil war has kicked off. We are now at war. You took one from me. I'm, I'm taking everything from you. I thought, I thought it was a perfect ending. Yeah. And I'm interested to see how they're going to do what happens next in, in the next season. I would love for the next the next season to start with Jace at uh, Jace talking to Craig and Stark. Well, I definitely think that'll be part of it, um, because in the in the books, like it's not just he goes and talks to Craig, Craig and Stark; they become friends. They go hunting together. They yeah, they spend they're the a lot same of time age. together. They're close in age, and they become like pretty good friends. And and again, it's it's a little bit of. Spoiler alert. Yeah, spoiler alert. It's a little bit of, there's a rumored story that Jace maybe has a little dalliance with his, I guess it's sister. Mm. Like bastard sister. It's like Sarah Snow. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, that's, but that's, that's, a rumor. that's what I hope we start off with is, is, is getting oh, the Starks too. involved here. Um, so let me ask you this. Who would you cast as Craig and Stark? You know, a youngish, like 25-ish year old actor. Who would I cast? So I've, I've seen some fan castings and there have been some good ones. And there's one that I really like. Man, I don't, I honestly do not know who I would cast. Because, I mean, it's got to be like a very dark-haired featured kind of gruff looking you know but also like like hearty and honest looking guy so the one that I, i'll tell you who i like so the one that i've seen that i like have you seen the netflix show called the last kingdom i have not okay so there's an actor it's it's, it's very games of thrones z uh, his name is Alexander Draymond. He plays the the lead character. He'd be a very good choice, in my opinion. He has that dark haired, stark look. Okay. But I mean, their their whole mo normally has been like they're not going to cast like big. I mean, Matt Smith's well known, but I wouldn't say he's like a a, a huge starring actor. You know, I mean, he was Doctor Who. It's one of the most success. He's he's yeah. one of the most widely known actors in the world. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, yes, but I mean, saying like, as far as like, I've seen people say like, um, like, like big name actors, like A list actors in in America. Yeah, I mean, but another one I've seen is Matt Smith's a pretty big actor. Yeah, but he's not like he's not Chris Hemsworth. On a global scale, I guarantee you that I guarantee you that Matt Smith would be noticed in just as many places as is Chris Hemsworth. Doctor Who is massive. It's been on forever. I think your grandma knows who Matt Smith is. <laughs> no, I don't think my grandmother knows. <laughs> my, well, all my grandmothers are dead, so. Uh, think anyone's grandmother knows who Matt Smith is. <laughs> think your neighbor's grandmother knows who Matt Smith is. I don't know. I don't think they know who Chris. I don't think they know the name Chris Hemsworth. I bet they could pick Captain America out of a lineup. <laughs> the character sure but i don't think if they just like saw the person on the street they would know who it is i don't know i disagree anyway i i but, I, I get this was one of the best seasons of of like a game of thrones series that we've had I, I'm, I'm very pleased with it i i was worried about it before like i was really worried before the show started I was excited when it got here. I got a little bit worried in the first couple of episodes, but it, it did a very good job of, I felt like getting better every single episode. It was, it was very, it, it reminded me of the best Game of Thrones seasons where you kind of start off and you're like, okay, this is an interesting storyline. I'll see where this goes. And each episode gets you drawn in more and more and more. And you kind of get invested in wanting to know what happens. And this is from a standpoint of you and I already knowing what's going to happen. <laughs> so I'm, I'm very impressed with, with what they've done. So let me ask you this. It's um, I listened to talk to Thrones and one of the, the hosts used a very like sports centric term when they say, would you call this like season zero of house of the dragon? You know how, you know, coaches have like a year zero because basically this was just a, a long preamble to the, the war what you were going to see it coming up yeah this is chapter one in a long and like if if you were writing a book on it's just like a this preamble this is yeah. really like the preamble to like what because like we this talked is about just last setting week, up the chessboard everything it's really going to get crazy like season two it's going to like turn up several notches and continually turn up to till it wraps up to the end yeah um so i'm excited to see that and i think when we talk about the, the reason I brought up the casting of Craig and Stark is he's a he's a key character in like the rest of the war. Yes, the Starks become very very important in all of this. Yeah, very, as do the Arryns and yeah, the so Baratheons and the Lannisters. There's a reason these all. names that we know in Game of Thrones become very prominent in this war. That we they haven't really other than you know like Lannister. There is a Lannister on the uh, the council in King's Landing. Yeah, but the Lannisters aren't the Lannisters yet. No. And it, it leads you to believe, like, you've seen all of Game of Thrones, right? Yes. So in that, like, Driftmark, like, I don't think he's ever mentioned. And it's very prominent in this story. Right. And we, and Casterly Rock, at this point, is not a big deal. Yes. So and in, in Future Thrones, Casterly Rock, Rock is, is a very big deal. Very high seat. Yeah, so it kind of leads you to believe like the what 
happens in the war, there's a lot of like changes coming based on on this particular civil war. Yeah. So and again, we're only fun. at this point, you know, Rhaenyra was 14 when the show started, her character. And she's about, probably 30, let's say 20 years have passed. Do you think that's yeah, fair? it's about 20 years because it was 10 years into his reign, I think, yeah. when it started. Correct. So and, and we do cover another 20 years of his so, yeah, we're about we're about 20 years into this. So we're only we're almost only 150 years away from Daenerys. Yeah, because it started, it was like 172. 187. So we're 167 yeah. now. So it's it's gonna be. I hope it comes out next year. I hope it's not 2024. I think it's 2024. Because I know they're gonna start they're gonna start filming in 23. Yeah, it's gonna be 2024 is when we're gonna get the next season. It's we're gonna have a whole year. Hope it's not August 2024. Yeah, me neither. But we'll see. We will see. I'm betting it'll be May. I think it'll be a a May, like start off and run through the summer. I think that's what it'll be. All right. So overall, how would you rate this series? I know you said you you were. I gave it an A, man. I, I really yeah. enjoyed it. Really, really enjoyed it. I thought it was like I thought they stuck the landing, and for me, like I didn't think, I didn't think there was any weak episodes. I thought everyone was good. Yeah, they were all Some very were better good. than others, but they all were like, you know what? This was a good episode. I never yeah, went I away saying it. like, oh, yeah, I enjoyed all of them. There was no, there was no just like walking around episode where nothing happened. Yeah, so. Even the the one where like nothing really happened, like stuff happens. Stuff <laughs> happens. Like where they're all in one location the whole time and just talking to each other, and you would say like, "Well, nothing really happened. Stuff happens." Yeah. So it was uh, it was really good. So yeah, I, I think they every episode, all ten were solid, and I would agree with you. I gave it an A. Great, great season. All right, excellent. We will. Uh, <laughs> here pretty soon we'll do we're going to do our 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 and or blowout episode i don't know what know well, what week it'll be yeah it'll be a couple weeks away because i want to say yeah. we still have four or five weeks of the show left excellent so maybe maybe less on the pop culture in the next couple of weeks now nah, we'll, we'll 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 bring something to you guys but we'll have something because you got like uh like two you need weeks, to catch like, up like, on like, freaking, wakanda forever comes out like in you two need weeks. to you need to catch up on freaking uh rings of power yeah i think i've been like spoiled not spoiled but like um well yeah I've, i have been spoiled on the show because i i know one character who it is um it was kind of a secret throughout the series so i'm spoiled on part of it but also i think i'm like biased based on like some reviews i read like even like non-spoiler reviews so i'm kind of like well i can wait go watch it it's amazing <laughs> have you uh caught up with andor how are you where are you at because I know you said no, you're a few I'm, episodes I'm behind. I'm at the same spot I was at Andor last okay. time we talked. It's Andor is it's so good. I've been, everyone, I, yeah, I, I've I've had I've had a guy staying with me for three weeks, so I, I've been I've been, understand. Been, no, I haven't been watching all that, but now now I will. I will say this: um, if you're out here and you're not a Star Wars fan, watch Andor because it's not your normal Star Wars fare. You don't and need to. Yeah, you don't need to know Star Wars. It is. Anymore like serious it's good it everyone should watch it because i know like right now like there's not a lot of people watching it except like hardcore star wars people but even the ones who complain on twitter that they want like 
you know, serious Star Wars, like they're apparently they're not watching it either. So I mean, yeah. and if you want, if you're it. the kind of person that doesn't like the same recycled stuff, like this is this is just this is original IP that is just packaged in the Star Wars universe, and it's just a good show. Yeah, take the Star Wars out show. of it. It's just a good show. So yeah. I can't scream from the mountaintops loud enough about Andor. Yeah, and I'm and I'm like three episodes behind, and I think it's amazing. So yeah, yeah, because it starts off like it starts strong from the jump. Yeah, so, yeah, it really, really does. Go watch Andor. That's my parting thought. <laughs> All right, Matt. Uh, it's butt ball week. Butt ball. Uh, 55 to 3, the official prediction. 55 to 3. Um, I'm sorry, Tristy, but it is what it is. <laughs> All right, Matt. Until next time. Sick of Bears. Bears. Sports Social Podcast Network.